0: Hello beautiful souls, here's a new touching story for you. The big double-storied house had to be the neighborhood orphanage development center. There was a crowd of boys outside, all eyeing Stella curiously as she opened the gate. It was an all-black neighborhood with broken pavements and sagging porches. The center was the only house on the block that was not badly deteriorated. Hello, she said, as the boys moved to let her pass. Are you ready to do some art? Don't want to do any art stuff. A boy of eight or nine year shot back. We all are going swimming. Stella had not expected to be greeted warmly, but their aloofness made her uncomfortable. Never had she been so conscious of her whiteness. Claire Jones, the center's director, came downstairs and Stella told her that she had been sent by the voluntary action bureau to teach art for an hour. Claire said nothing but she told her that the boys had moved the tables and chairs into the backyard to serve lunch because it was so hot inside. The kids were going swimming afterwards. Stella realized that her showing up had changed the plans. Perhaps it would be better if I came back tomorrow, she said. With no intention of doing so. She thought she would ask the bureau to send another art teacher. No, the kids will be going to the park tomorrow. If you have any art planned for them today, that's what they'll do. I'll have one of the youth leaders bring them back to the backyard. One of the youth leaders, Fred, brought crayons and paper. Come on, yelled another youth leader. You're all going to do art. Claire says you have to. The sullen youngster sat but didn't take the paper or crayons. When Stella tried to laugh or joke or make noises or ask their names and what they liked to draw, they just stared at her. I don't like to draw nothing. Give me some colors then. How do you expect me to draw without colors? We are supposed to eat and go swimming. Not do this baby stuff. All started complaining. Stella ignored the behavior and tried to interest them in drawing one of the stately old trees that was the neighborhood's saving race. There was laughter. We will draw trees. She said, yes, you are all going to learn something about drawing trees today. Take your time. And I don't want any baby stuff. I don't want to draw trees, a big boy said and he started to walk away. Fred pushed him back into his chair. You are going to draw a tree, Cherry. Now all of you shut up and draw." The youth leaders had been told to help Stella and they tried. But the children scribbled, tore up what they started or made planes out of the paper. They broke the new crayons purposely. They began to run wildly around the yard. Finally, all the chairs were empty. One boy, about 12 years old, stood silently at her side. Do you want to sit down and draw with me? Stella asked. You can't talk to Michael, said Fred. He's deaf. He does not understand what anybody says. That's when Stella gave up. She thought, if these children don't need me, I'd leave when the hour is up and never come back. To pass the time, she began to draw the gnarled oak tree. Soon somebody sat down across from her. It was Michael. But you can't talk to Michael. Or maybe you can. She smiled at him and he smiled back, a quiet smile in a sensitive face. When you draw a tree, Michael, you notice that it's different from any other tree in the world. That's what makes it special. Michael looked at the oak tree, then back at her drawing. There was no mistaking the interest in his big brown eyes. Of course, you can't talk to Michael. None of the other kids would listen to her, but at least Michael was there. She pushed a piece of paper and some crayons across the table. Tentatively, he selected a green one and began to draw. Soon, a tree began to take form. That's good, Michael. He smiled again. This time Stella knew he, he did comprehend praise and he also understood that drawing a tree could be fun, even exciting. That was enough. Stella was not lonely anymore. They were drawing together when one by one the boys came back to the table. Hey, look at Michael's tree. Did he do that? She didn't help him at all. Michael smiled. Hey kids, come over here, yelled Fred. None of you drew a tree this good. Man, that's good. Michael's smile broadened into a wide grin and he basked in astonished praise. Give me some paper, said Jerry. I can draw a tree better than Michael. When it was time to set the tables for lunch, the boys were so engrossed in drawing, they didn't want to stop. Are you coming back tomorrow, they asked. Yes, tomorrow we go to the park. We will sketch paths full of drawings and draw some more trees. We'll have fun, won't we, Michael? He usually stays here, said Fred. Michael smiled. We will see, Stella said. She put the drawings on Claire's table with Michael's tree on top. Michael did that, asked Claire. He never enters any into any group activity. How did you get him to do it? He can't hear, you know. And he's mentally retarded, so he doesn't communicate. There are other ways to communicate besides speech, Stella said. I'd like to come back tomorrow and go to the park with the kids. You just come any anytime you can, said Claire, looking at the tree Michael had made. I do wonder about that child, she mused. Stella wondered too. Did Michael know when he came and sat across from her that she needed him? That she felt as he did, alone and different. She would always wonder, because you can't talk to Michael. Or maybe you can. The moral here is that communication always doesn't need words. There are silent ways of communicating and understanding. Even the physically challenged people are talented. And we should treat everyone as we would like to be treated, ourselves. Also avoid showing pity or being patronizing. Thank you.